Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Hello and welcome to our new short format servings of consciously prepared brain food designed to improve your mental fitness. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, your host. For more than 12 years, we've been proudly and consistently crafting Harvesting Happiness and sharing it with you. Each week, we spotlight diverse thinkers and doers who are contemporary trendsetters and change agents devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. We invite you to listen up and change the way you think about human happiness. Our award-winning content is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Alrighty then, let's dive in. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on today's show, where you will learn about the yoga of life beyond the mat and into the world with my guest, Sarah Plattfinger. She is the co-founder of Ishta Yoga and the private instructor of Dr. Deepak Chopra. She has shared the elevating tools of Ishta worldwide through trainings, retreats, and workshops with her husband, yoga master, Alan Finger. Sarah and Dr. Chopra have collaborated on several projects, including Finding Connection Through Yoga with Yoga Journal and Radical Being with Udemy. She is a featured yoga teacher on the international stage with Chopra Global and on the YouTube channel, The Chopra Well. She currently lives in Boca Raton, Florida with her husband and their daughter, Satya, and their two dogs. And Sarah is in the house. Sarah, I welcome (laughs) you, and I can't wait to jump in to this subject matter because Yoga means many things, right? Yeah, it really does. And thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be on your show and to talk with you about some of these really life-shifting, illuminating topics. Yeah. When we say the word yoga, many people go to, you know, sitting cross-legged, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sort of (laughs) om position, contemplating one's Mm -hmm. navel, (laughs) maybe chanting, maybe doing a few poses, but the real yoga is something very different. Yeah, you know, there's this great saying, which I love, which is, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. I think yoga has been very much misconstrued in our modern Western culture to be something that you have to master or you have to have a certain predisposition to get into the yoga practice, like being flexible or looking a certain way or um, eating a certain way. And really it is just about enhancing the human condition, like bringing into balance those things that so often get thrown off for us. Yoga is a, it's an action, but it's also a state of being. Literally, it means union or use to yoke. So it's about essentially bringing together all of the disparate aspects of ourselves into one cohesive sense or energy field, if you can resonate with that, or an organism that is not fragmented. And we can experience, you don't need a sticky mat to experience yoga. You can experience yoga watching a beautiful sunset. You can experience yoga um, having in an embrace with somebody. So anytime that you return back to the now, the present moment, essentially you're experiencing yoga. I find for myself one of the 
best challenges of my yoga practice is doing it in conflict, right? So it's kind of counterintuitive. Mm. Like when I'm in a a sticky situation that's not on the mat, Mm -hmm. how do I use my breath, my presence, my awareness of the other as tools to negotiate myself through a difficult challenge or situation? Exactly. And really what the practice gives us is just that they're tools. Right. And if we wanted to serve a certain purpose or a function, say you you know needed to fix something in your space or you had a piece of furniture that was broken, you could go into your toolbox, pick out a tool that you need to help serve a certain function so that something that was maybe broken, not to say that we become broken, but we want things to work optimally. We want to be able to move through conflicting situations, or as you mentioned, states of friction or um, disharmony. So you can access these different tools through breath, our physical bodies. There's different yoga poses that actually, I like to think of the poses as situations, right? A yoga pose is like a life situation. Yes. One pose might make you feel, <laughs> right? One pose might make you feel really stressed and aggravated. So what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? There are little microcosms that are opportunities for us to look at our feedback loops and how we respond or rather react. It might be the right word to certain life situations. And it just gives us more information, more education and understanding how to move through difficult situations when they come up and we can't necessarily control them. And I think one of the other things that the practice of yoga reinforces is the impermanence of all things. You know, so when we are Mm -hmm. in that uncomfortable position that we can sort of take on, actively take on the mindset of this is an impermanent situation. Nothing is static. Everything is dynamic. And if we can just breathe with it, it will pass. It will end. Exactly. Nothing lasts forever. You might think when you're in a challenging situation or a challenging pose, like, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to get out of this? But you know, it's not going to last forever and you can get through it. And if you access your breath and find little tricks like softening your jaw, relaxing your facial muscles, or even visualization can be helpful. We can do that in any life situation, right? Just notice what, how's my heart responding? How's my breath responding? Where am I tensing up and where do I have agency to shift what is happening in this moment? Let's talk a little bit about the breath, because this is something that during the pandemic became more of a focus in every single yoga class that I took for the past two years, as it should. And it sort of reinforced how yoga is a practice that we take with us out into life. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the pranayama, about the breathing exercises Mm -hmm. and the kinds of breathing that we can use to soothe ourselves, support ourselves. Yeah. The breath is amazing and it's with us for life, right? One thing that we will always have access to is our breath, which is again, back to that. If you can breathe, you can do yoga. And, you know, (laughs) but the breath also is a very good indicator of what we're experiencing not just physiologically and in our nervous system, but what is the state of the mind? 
So if your breath is tense and effortful and a little bit hardened and constricted, you might be feeling agitated, angry, tense, emotionally or mentally. If you're breathing in longer than you're breathing out, that's usually an indication of anxiety or nervousness, or maybe you need to calm yourself down. If your exhalation is longer than your inhalation, then you might be sort of lethargic or even depressed and feeling unmotivated and uninspired. So not only does the breath indicate how we're feeling, but the different parts of the breath, the inhale versus the exhale, will also indicate the state of our mind and nervous system. So as we learn to shift the way that we're breathing, we literally shift the way that we feel. And when we shift the way that we feel, we shift our reality, right? So our yes. reality shifts when our breath shifts. You have written a book, Living in the Light, Yoga for Self-Realization. And I would love for you to connect the dots of what it means to be self-realized and how the practice both on and off the mat connects with this and what it means to be living in the light. Yeah. Three loaded questions. I, mean, I, yeah, I just want to say, first of all, that it's a lifelong process. Like I don't claim to have any special juice or juju or anything. I am a, a lifelong student and I am a lifelong student of life, but also of this wisdom tradition, yoga, which has been around for thousands of years. And um, it's, wisdom and depth and really insight is kind of mind-blowing when you think about how relevant it is today as it was 25 to 5,000 years ago when some of the first texts were written. And for me, you know, self-realization, again, it's a constant inward study. I think one of the gifts of yoga is that it is a self-practice, self-study. There's a great quote, which I love from the, uh, one of the ancient texts, the Bhagavad Gita, which says, yoga is the journey of the self through the self to the self. <laughs> and so the self, you know, it's like you're the map, the roadmap, you're the vehicle, and you're the final destination. So you, you're ultimately utilizing all of these aspects of you to get deeper to you, to who you really are. And it is a constant process and it is something that requires reflection, curiosity, um, constant inquiry into ourselves and not being in this, you know, I think in our modern society and certainly in the world, this more scientific based world, we want to know, we want facts, we want answers, we want formulas. And um, I think what the state of the world has shown us is that more and more is that we have to be able to rest in the questions and we have to be able to find some steadiness and uncertainty and yoga for me is the pathway to that, to, to steadiness in the unknown, steadiness in our bodies, certainly, because our body is the first 
thing that we can really most concretely experience, like our physical sensations, but finding a home inside of our bodies and doing that through postures and also breath work and mind focusing techniques. It just allows us to rest in our bodies in the moment, despite what might be happening around and outside of us. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will continue the conversation with my guest today, Sarah Platt-Finger. We're talking about her book, Living in the Light, Yoga for Self-Realization. To learn more, please visit sarahplattfinger.com. On Twitter, you can find Sarah at splattfinger, on Facebook at sarah.plattfinger, and on Instagram at splattfinger. Here come the pause, and we'll be right back. Wait, wait, wait. Before we take that break, let's talk about self-care in the new year. Small actions can really make a big impact on our well-being, like eating healthier foods and exercising daily. Self-care is more than just a thing. It's a daily practice. And one of the ways I take better care of myself is by using whey, hair, and body products. During the winter months, I'm keeping my flakiness at bay with Way's new anti-dandruff shampoo. I'm really loving Way's new anti-dandruff shampoo that's made with salicylic acid to gently soothe dry, itchy, and irritated scalps and smells heavenly with notes of ginger and spearmint. This product keeps snow off your shoulders and where it belongs, outside. Take your hair, body, and lifestyle routines to the next level with Waze award-winning products. I'm also a huge fan of Waze best-selling leave-in conditioner that helps manage frizz, tangles, flyaways, and breakage for all hair types. Every product is designed for effortless hair care routines for your life your way. Way offers a complete line of products for all hair types that promote softer, shinier, bouncier, fuller looking, healthier feeling, and happier tresses. The way to healthy hair starts here. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and use code H H for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T H E O U A I dot com, code H H. Now let's grab that quick pause. Research tells us that happiness is good for our health. Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for nutritious helpings of positive goodness. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and at times we all need a little support. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and at the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com to explore experiential online and on-site optimal lifestyle management consulting services, including recovery fortification and life crisis triage. And we're back, continuing the exploration of the yoga of life beyond the mat and into the world. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest, Sarah Platt-Finger. And we're back, continuing the conversation with my guest today, Sarah Platt-Finger. We're talking about her book, Living in the Light, Yoga for Self-Realization. I like to also call this the yoga of life beyond the mat and into the world. What we do with this beautiful practice, this yogic philosophy that, in my experience, Sarah, is more of an invitation versus a competition. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of mis 
misunderstanding or misrepresentation that yoga is somehow a competitive sport. And in fact, it isn't. It is an opportunity for us to get curious about what we're feeling, maybe about certain patterns we're holding in our bodies, right? Why do I have you know, what, why is one side of my waist shorter than the other? Or why is one arm tighter than the other? These are all a result of, of habits, whether they're conscious or unconscious. And yoga really gives us the opportunity to become more aware of our habits. And I want to also add that yoga has become somewhat mainstream, right? We're seeing it more and more in commercials on television. Mm-hmm. It's offered in places that you might not typically have experienced or seen yoga, hospitals, hotels. Yeah. It's it's mostly a regular thing now. And there's a reason yeah. for it, right? Absolutely. I think people are starting to feel the effects of yoga. And there's a lot more studies out there now about the benefits of yoga reducing Um, Your blood pressure, slowing down the heart rate, increasing digestion, mood boosting, all this, it's endless, right? The lower back relief, there's just so many benefits to the practice that more and more people are becoming interested in it. And the great thing about this practice is that it will really meet you where you are. If you're not really ready to go deeper into the contemplative practices of breathwork or meditation, you start with the physical experience and just make the physical experience a experience of becoming aware, right? Almost like a moving meditation. They just kind of, and, and that's exactly what the light being is, is really about shining a light of awareness becoming, it's like opening your eyes in a new way to seeing things differently. And that's, I think, what people are finding through this practice. They're experiencing themselves and as a result, the world around them in a new way. And in my own experience, I can only talk from mine, is that the world becomes a more hospitable place. When I practice in whatever form that might be on or off the mat, the world is kinder. The world is gentler. It doesn't take away the struggles of the human experience, but it sort of, is it like a damage control tool? You know, it's such a good point because it reminds you that there really all that we're experiencing. This is also something that comes from the Bhagavad Gita. We can look and perceive the world and look outward, but all we ever really encounter is our own nervous system, right? All we're ever really experiencing is our own inner space. And so when you have the tools, the agency, the power to shift your own inner space, you actually shift the world around you, because you're starting to respond to things differently. You're seeing things differently. The way your senses and your sense organs pick up information is different. So coming from this baseline of ease, again, back to curiosity, you know, harmony, despite whatever uh, disharmony we might be seeing around us, it, it gives us a little bit more of peace of mind and also I think clarity in being able to move forward and what's 
the best next step for me, right? Because that's the other thing is yoga is action. It's not just about, you know, hibernating in a cave and doing all this stuff separate from everyone (laughs) else. Like it's a householder um, practice, right? So we do it so that we can be better caretakers. We can be better employees or employers or whatever that might be for you. Just to your point of taking it out into the world. As you're talking, I'm thinking about our experience of life, how each of us perceives life and moves through life, and the notion that it's a reflection of where we are in our own inner consciousness, right? Mm. We can see the world as a very hospitable place filled with goodness and some bad things, or the world is a very difficult, scary, gloomy place with good moments, and both are right based on perception. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's bringing up this quote, I think it's an Anais Nin quote, we see the world, we see things not as they are, but as we are, yes. you know, and and I think also one of the things that yoga gives us is is discernment, right? Where it's, it's not that we're necessarily always seeing things through rose-colored lenses, but we see things as they are. And that truth leads us to, again, make decisions that are best serving for our highest good. But when we come from that space, I think of peace and non-harming, right? But from a, a peaceful space inside of us, we can take action in a way that is clear and direct, but hopefully not combative, right? So yeah, I think that's an important point. And would you say that it's more of a less of a thinking process and more of a feeling and doing process? Mm, That's such a good question. I do. I do think it's more of a feeling. I think we are ultimately, I've certainly heard this in science before, that we are more feeling bodies than we are thinking people. So our thinking mind is something that is conditioned. It's a condition, part of our conditioned reality. Um, But our feeling and sensing is something that's very innate and inherent to us as human beings. And I think we learn another sense of intelligence through that feeling and sensing. Um, Yeah. And, And gaining intelligence, I don't want to get too, it's a little bit getting too much into the the subtle body, but it's about having that inner eye, that the eye that can see and know and be in discernment. But this makes sense. The more rooted we are in our body, the more we're able to ground and be connected to what's going on right now without being mm-hmm. woo-woo about that, right? The nervous system is calmer, which allows us to tap into intuition right? Which is a higher yeah. form of intelligence. So I think what you're saying makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, we know that when our nervous system is in flux or agitated, when we're in a hypervigilant state, we can't see things clearly. Why, you know, <laughs> we just need to get up and go, why would we? It's right. Like we don't need to start reflecting about life when we've got a big bear chasing after us. We just need to get up and go. And so there's, you know, moments in time where we do need to access that sympathetic nervous response, the fight or flight response. But the problem is, is we, 
I think, overuse it and are in that hypervigilant state quite a lot in our modern society. So we need to learn how to downregulate it so that we can make more informed and hopefully um, balanced decisions. Yeah. I love the words downregulate. <laughs> If, you know, and that's yeah. part of the self-mastery, right? <laughs> to know when to dial yeah. it up and dial it back. Absolutely. Yes. Which yes. is an essential. And that's something oh, that, yeah, no, exactly. And so it's really something only the individual can know, right? Through that process of self-study to know when you need to upregulate and when you need to downregulate. And when we talk about the practice of yoga, more attributes, I think that a tool towards greater self-mastery or achieving greater self-mastery is a part of this equation because you're dealing with yourself on every level in the practice. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's a part of yourself, but we realize you know, we spend so much time looking at other people, judging other people, if they could only be this way and that way and change that. But what we don't realize is that when we change ourselves, we change our world. We change yes. everything yes. around us, you know? So it's, it's really about taking responsibility for ourselves, taking responsibility for our feelings, our emotions, our energy, right? Our internal space. How do we do that? To me, yoga is a, like a foolproof system of learning how to manage your own internal space so that, yeah, you can then have more harmonious relationships. And it actually frees up a lot of our suffering and time and effort that we spend on other people. Well, we're never yeah. to other people. <laughs> we just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We think we think we can. We like to think that we can, but, yes, we, but we can't. Of course. You know? But change yourself and watch them change. Yeah. I suppose if you want to work towards being a control freak, look in the mirror. You know? <laughs> there you go. Start there. That's, yeah. When you get yes. all of that in order, then let's talk. Because <laughs> exactly. that's a lifetime journey. And it is a lifetime journey, a lifelong process. And, you know, something that I think the, one of the main tenets of, of yoga, the a, a sort of guidepost of it, is, is what's called ahimsa, which is yes. peaceful presence, non-harming, non-injuring you know, non yourself, non-judging yourself, not being combative or hostile, but resting in a peaceful presence. Can you peacefully look at yourself and look at mistakes, right? Yeah. And accept them, challenges and accept them. The problem is, is we get so combative, right? And I just start that criticism and it really doesn't serve us or anyone else for that matter. And when you talk about ahimsa or, or, or nonviolence or non-harming non of self, it also reaches to society and the planet. And it, it's, yes. it's, 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 uh, a, a, a sum total of everything. It's the quantum is what I guess I'm trying to say. This, yes. this practice of ahimsa, of nonviolence. Oh, so much so. It's, it's a way of life, you know, it's a way of life. And it's not that anger doesn't arise or frustration, of course, that happens and that can arise within you. Um, but, you know, that, the, that sum total, as you were saying, that baseline is peace. If, if we can rest in that baseline of peace and ease and steadiness, I mean, what a different world 
It has, yeah. right? The conversations we can have with each other. Every Sunday, I go to this one yoga class that is, it's a small group, but the group gets together and really likes to fetch, really whine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and including the teacher, we really get into it. Like we re- like the first yeah. five or 10 minutes. And then she looks at us. She said, okay, have we had enough? Are we done? Like now we can get, yeah. get, get to it. And we always laugh because she holds space for that fine wine, right? She holds space mm-hmm. for the gamut of emotions as part of the practice. And then s- sort of a book ending it like, okay, we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to the next part of this glorious experience that we get to have every week. Yeah, it's moving energy, right? Sometimes that's just how we move our energy. We need to kvetch, we need to talk and get it out of the system. Yes. Come back to the baseline. Yes, it's like a sweat, you know, like a sweat lodge for our our emotions. exactly. (laughs) It's really just the important thing is knowing that that baseline is there because then you know that the other stuff is not the supreme reality. You know, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. For another perspective on a supreme reality for the yoga curious who might not be practitioners (laughs) listening to this, go out and get yourself a copy of Living in the Light Yoga for Self-Realization that has been authored by my wonderful guest today, Sarah Platt Finger. To connect with Sarah, please do so at sarahplatt.com finger.com on twitter at s plat finger on facebook sarah dot plat finger and on instagram at s plat finger and plat is with two t's sarah come hang out and talk about real world yoga with me <laughs> any day of the week i love this oh, thank you so much this is really such a joy and honor i really appreciate you for me too have a great day Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen on behalf of my guest, Sarah Plattfinger, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes from our mental muscle toning libraries at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com, Toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about my global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced by me, Lisa Cypress Kamen, Andrea Mangeli, Robin Boyd, Andrea Daly, and the awesome team at Podfly Productions, including Eric Begay, Kimberly Beck, and Alec Gus, in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU Radio Malibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. <laughs>